This is the Nomad Futurist Podcast, a podcast about the evolution of technology, society, and transformation. Connect with us, share your thoughts with us at nomadfuturist.com. Let's get this started. Here are Phil and Nabil. Hi, this is Philip Koblenz, the co-host of the Nomad Futurist Podcast, and we have a very special episode for you today in which I am going to start with a story coming to you live from Montclair, New Jersey. I don't know if you guys remember how Nabil and I started the podcast. You know, we met at a couple of, you know, conferences, industry events, et cetera. And uh, at the last one where, where we saw each other in January um, in, in Hawaii at PTC, we came up with this, you know, almost tongue in cheek idea that we would host this kind of odd couple podcast because, you know, we, we could not be, you know, from more different backgrounds, more different physically, more different emotionally. So we thought, you know, hilarity would ensue. And lo and behold, in March 2020, when everything locked down, we started this podcast together. So a year and a half goes by and we were asked um, by the folks at AFCOM to come and host a live version uh, of the podcast this uh, in the, the Monday before the 4th of July. I think it was June 28th. The timing kind of worked out because Nabil had to be on the mainland because he was speaking at a conference in Miami. And then we had a conference coming up that following Monday in Chicago. And then he had uh, another uh, engagement the following week um, in, in D.C. So the timing kind of worked out. So, uh, so we said we would do it. And, you know, Nabil uh, reached out to me a couple of weeks before, started to plan and said, you know, that, you know, he was done in Miami on Friday, just so happened that so Saturday, June 26th was his, was his birthday. So um, I suggested that he come from Miami to New Jersey, uh, which is still on the way to Chicago, wasn't losing any time. We can hang out in New Jersey, which would be the first time we were ever intentionally physically in the same place. Um, and uh, and then we would fly to Chicago together on Sunday evening in advance of an early Monday morning start at the AFCOM event in Chicago. That was the plan. Separately, I recently had moved to Montclair, New Jersey, as you all um, are no doubt aware. Um, and my family had joined a like pool and tennis club in town uh, that we had just recently become members of. And it just so happened that that Saturday, Nabil's birthday was this annual event where a member and guests can come together for doubles tennis tournament. Uh, Nabil and I, um, you know, haven't played tennis in some time. I reached out to Nabil. I thought it'd be a better way to spend a Saturday than, you know, eating and drinking all day. So we said, you know what, we might embarrass ourselves, but let's get out there and, uh, and play some tennis, have some, have some activity. So our biggest concern at the time was that we were going to get embarrassed. I was going to get thrown out of the club and, uh, and that would be the story. Just so happens we uh, we started playing that morning early in the morning. It was like eight thirty that uh, that we played our first match. We ended up winning some matches, losing some matches, certainly losing more than we were winning. Um, but it was a it was a great day. We went through the entire day. It went to like till like twelve thirty, unless you were going to make it to the finals, which uh, we were certainly not uh, not worried that uh, we were going to make it to. So after our final match. Um, you know, I started at each match by telling everyone to take it easy on us. It was Nabil's birthday. So, you know, as uh, just to just to try to, you know, mitigate any, um, you know, competitiveness from from our our guests. And we had also gotten to talking 
with uh, with some of the folks at um, that we were competing against. Then it came up again, as you guys may know from uh, a previous podcast, that Nabil was at one point in you know a previous uh, version of his life when he was younger, cricket player, uh, which didn't pan out obviously because he's hosting a podcast with me. And the person we were playing asked Nabil because he had followed cricket if because Nabil looks like someone that should be famous, someone that you would want you know an autograph of, uh, which again has never happened to me. But he wanted to know if he was famous, if he would know him. And just as Nabil was about to answer the question, he grabbed onto the fence that was surrounding the tennis court and collapsed. And you know everyone was up in arms. We had called, you know, we called, you know, for 911, uh, screamed for the lifeguards from this uh, pool club to come over. Nabil was on the ground. He was kind of reflexively uh, breathing. He wasn't really convulsing, but uh, it was clear he was in distress. Um, And we came over, you know, the folks started performing CPR. And it was like, it was an intense situation, as you can imagine. Um, And... You know, eventually the lifeguards bring it felt like hours had gone by, but like within a couple of minutes, the lifeguards had brought over, um, you know, the uh, um, uh, the defib uh, machine to, to hook up to him. You know, it shocked him. And at some point he had lost, you know, all his pulse again, w- w- at least 60 seconds. And it shocked him and the pulse came back. And by that time, the parking lot was full of cop cars and lights and everyone from the club, all the kids, all the guests um, all the, the the guests of members, all of the parents, um, all the staff, you know, we were on a court that was visible from all parts of, of the club, you know, gathered around to see what was going on. It was just incredibly intense, as you can imagine. And then by that point, the cops had come and started asking uh, Nabil, um, you know, if he remembered what happened and, you know, just assessing his condition. And, you know, Nabil is a big guy, six foot four very statuesque. And, you know, they helped him up and he had gotten himself up and onto the gurney because, of course, they couldn't get him up because, you know, he's a giant man. Um, And when they got him onto the gurney, it was like a roar from the crowd as like a football player being taken off, being taken off the field, which was just, you know, a crazy moment. And as he was being loaded into the ambulance, the entire club started singing happy birthday because I had previously told them all at the start of each tennis match that it was his birthday. So that word had spread throughout the club. So it's just an incredible scene. And mind you, this is probably the second time I had been to this club that, uh, that we, had just, uh, we had just joined. The first time I'd ever been like intentionally in the same place with Nabil, notwithstanding the relationship we've cultivated over the course of the last year and a half or so. Um, so it was just craziness. On top of which, I was really the only person that knew Nabil within 6,000 miles because he had flown in from Hawaii. So it's just like pandemonium, as you can imagine. So I follow Nabil to the hospital. We get there and I essentially, you know, I walk into the hospital. They don't even check my ID. They send me, I get into this room that, uh, that Nabil is in, in the emergency room. And he's there surrounded by nurses and doctors. And they look at me and they're like, are you Phil? And I'm like, yeah, I'm Phil. And they're like, you're the one we've been waiting for. And I'm like, I'm the one you've been waiting for? What? What? Why? How can you possibly be waiting for for me? Um, And anyway, they asked me a bunch of questions. I had all of Nabil's stuff. I had Nabil's wallet, Nabil's phone. Um, So uh, he's doing okay. Like all of his vitals look good. They're going to keep him overnight for observation. And then I was going to pick him up 
the next morning. Actually, you know, while we were there, we were talking and, you know, Nabil actually was ready to, to leave. Like he, he felt fine. Um, and then overnight, um, when they were keeping him, they kicked me out. It was like 8.30 p.m. at that point. They kicked me out because visiting hours were over and Nabil finally got his room. Overnight at some point, I don't know, maybe uh, an hour or so after he had gotten his room, he started complaining of tightness in his chest. And that was really the first time he complained about anything. There were no complaints while we were playing tennis. There was no shortness of breath. Obviously, it was a hot day in Jersey. It was a lot of activity, but nothing out of the ordinary. But he started complaining of some tightness in his chest. So out of an, out of an abundance of caution, they uh, decided, like the, the on-call cardiologist decided that they would just, you know, scope his heart. They do this thing where they put a camera into your veins and see what's going on in your heart. And at most, it was going to extend his hospital stay by maybe a half a day while he recovered from it. But at least, you know, they would rule out anything more significant than what he'd already experienced. And they found a significant amount of blockages um, necessitating open heart surgery in New Jersey. The first time I'd ever been in the same place intentionally with Nabil um, that, you know, they were and they were transferring him the next day. So, you know, by that point, obviously, we had already gotten in touch with his family who, you know, had to, were, were, were flying in from, from Hawaii. So I picked him up from the airport on Tuesday, which was the day the surgery was scheduled. Uh, the surgery was scheduled for the morning. I picked him up from the airport in the afternoon. So the, the surgery was still, uh, you know, ongoing. Um, when, when I picked them up, you know, I brought them, uh, I brought them to the hospital and, and they were able to see Nabil who, who was out of surgery um, uh, uh, by that point. Uh, and then we returned, we returned home and I returned home. Basically what my life had become was I had now four kids, two wives and Nabil um, in the hospital recovering from quadruple bypass, which was obviously a significant change in the plan from, you know, flying to Chicago and doing a live version of the podcast. So uh, we wanted to record this so you were aware of just the craziness that has gone on in the last two weeks. And I'm happy to announce that Nabil has since been released from the hospital, is in Casa de Koblenz in Montclair, New Jersey, along with the whole family recuperating, and is sitting literally next to me as we record this podcast. So... Nabil, what's up, man? Oh my gosh, what a story! <laughs> <laughs> not not the grand entrance that we wanted right. to make, but not, uh, uh, certainly memorable. Certainly. Um, so you're back. You're here. You're with us, and you're also here with us, um, having experienced yet another birthday. Birthday number three, as far as I can count. Even though you were able to get the same, I guess once you're born three times, you get you start repeating the same day. At, uh, at some point. So, you know, I told the, the story from my experience. What was your experience like? What is going through your head? Like literally what, a week after surgery, um, a week after that whole experience? Yeah. So as far as I remember, I mean, first of all, the good news is we did not end up at the end of the pack. Right. We didn't, we didn't, we were not last at the, uh, at the tennis tournament, thankfully. I remember my legs giving out on me trying to stay up. And then thereafter, I don't remember anything till I was woken up by the defib and the single shock that was given to me. Being transported to the hospital uh, and talking to paramedics and talking to the, uh, the EMT and the doctors and the nurses, it all felt really good, uh, whereby I felt I was in good hands um, and it was going to be an in-and-out deal. Uh, I was going to be out of it in a few hours. As well, that earlier, 
uh, it was late at night when I started feeling uh, shortness of breath and uh, basically felt what I felt five years ago where I had an elephant sitting on my chest, uh, to which the cardiologist uh, acted very quickly and decided uh, to run the CAT scan and found uh, all the arteries blocked. Now, the good news on, on, on that end was that I had great electrical. And if it wasn't for the electrical rhythm being off, this would have potentially continued and uh, I might not have had the opportunity to live. Now, breaking the news of uh, going through an open bypass and uh, open heart surgery, I was quite fearful. The last time I uh, was out for four minutes and 19 seconds uh, sounds uh, much easier now. Um, <laughs> the good thing is that I did not experience the intensity before as much as, as as I did this time, and I'm very appreciative of the friendship uh, for everybody being around and, and supporting and encouraging me to get back to my feet. Process uh, was quite simple. As a matter of fact, I did put myself on the table, and I don't remember anything thereafter, what they did and how they did it. Uh, but when I came out of it, uh, I was told that I was going to be back on my feet and I should be back home within a week's time frame. So that was quite encouraging. Now, it was quite painful along the way as well. I wouldn't say it was easy by any means, uh, but the encouragement, the confidence, and and the fact that people were really passionate about what they did and really caring. I mean, there was the trueness and sincerity to the function and the jobs uh, that they had, and uh, that helped quite a bit. So I can't I can't be thankful enough for everyone uh, for Phil's friendship. It means more than anything. I mean, I told Phil, I did send him a text message that uh, if I could ever wish for a brother, he would be my brother. And of course, I mean, it's it's incredibly moving. I, I wish we could have done that without having to go through, you know, a heart attack and quadruple bypass. But, um, you know, it's 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 been an amazing experience, not just for you and me, but our families would have never gotten together. My my wife is now best friends with your wife. My kids now, you know, never want your kids to leave. Uh, my son has an older brother. My daughter has an older sister. And it's just this incredible combination of families, which which wouldn't have happened. And, and, and you know, I know we had talked in previous podcasts and you like to, you know, uh, touch on your spiritual side about how everything happens for a reason and destiny and all this stuff. But, you know, initially when this happened to you, I had a significant amount of guilt for like, you know, you're suggesting the tennis and putting you in a position where, you know, this happened to you. But the more we learned about the about your condition, it's like there was a ticking bomb in there. And had you not been at that place, at that time, in a place where you can get the type of care that you can in, you know, New Jersey, New York metro area, um, had you been traveling on a plane, if we were in the hotel, if you were just, you know, staying somewhere because you travel so much, this would have had a much different outcome potentially. Oh, absolutely. Oh I mean, feel very fortunate and very lucky man to be at the right place at the right time, at least once in my life. It was a ticking time bomb. It could be in an airplane or a hotel room or at a place where you don't have uh, the medical support and system uh, as good as at St. Barnabas, what I experienced. So absolutely phenomenal cardiologists and surgeons and a phenomenal staff. I can't be thankful enough. And, uh, I and mean, of course, Bradford. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Thank, thank, thanks to the Bradford Bath and Tennis Club staff um, who got uh, who got a, a test they could have never expected that day. Um, and thank you to Nabil for for making, you know, my entrance into into membership as memorable 
uh, for the entire um, membership at Bradford as, uh, as, as, as it possibly could be. But seriously, though, uh, we're incredibly fortunate to have you back. And one of the things I told Nabil initially when this happened is, of course, I want you to make it through this for, you know, your family and your wife and your kids and your life and all that stuff. But if you didn't make it through this, my summer would really have been ruined. So I really appreciate you making it through this selfishly for my own sake. So thank oh, you, man. Yeah, thank you. This, this just reinforces what we've been talking about and helping the younger generation. Um, maybe there was a kid that prayed for us, uh, for me, for, for me to be alive. Uh, maybe it was a strong foundation for that person to find the passion that we continuously talk about, and they became the people that they are today. So this totally reinforces the journey that we have set forth. We want to make sure that uh, we continue on this, and uh, this is this is dear and closer to me than ever before. All right. Well, uh, uh, great words, prescient words, an incredible experience um, from from both sides, um, and we're just happy uh, to be able to to share it with our listeners. So thank you for uh, thank you for tuning in, and yeah. thank you for being here, Nabil. Thank you. Welcome to New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) This has been great. Nothing lasts forever. Markets will come back. Currencies will rebound. Businesses will go on. And we'll all move on. That could happen next week, next month, or next year. I'm confident that those who prepare rather than panic will come out of this stronger. Thank you for joining us. This has been brought to you by Nomad Futurist. Check us online at nomadfuturist.com.